All right, good morning. Yes, it's me again. Um, as most of you know, my name is Eric Birch. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Um, it's been an interesting week. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for um, all the prayers. Uh, as many of you know, Donna had uh, surgery on her foot Wednesday. Um, the surgery went well, the recovery not so much. Um, but she is back home. She came back from the hospital yesterday, and uh, she's uh, able to eat real food, which uh, those of you who've gone through that experience knows what I'm talking about. Um, it's uh, glad she's on that side of it. Um, it's interesting, you know, I talk to people, I said, there's a spiritual war going on out there, and as soon as you decide that you're going to do something for God, trust me, there is something on the other side that's going to do its best to stop you. Um, and so, I have to do three of the next four messages, and so I picked the week my wife is having surgery. So um, I did get it finished, though. Um, it's, uh, it was uh, interesting. So the, uh, as you know, we're doing this series on the identity in Christ. And um, so for the next three messages, so I'm going to do this message and then two more, but there's a break um, next week. But I'm going to cover the... Um, in Ephesians, verses 3 through 6. That's all we're going to talk about for three weeks. Um, and so if you're familiar with um, Ephesus, remember Ephesus is a Greek city that was on the, the uh, western coast of what is today Turkey. Uh, and it was a really, really important uh, city. And so Paul wrote to the Ephesians while he was in prison in Rome. Um, and he's really giving them some perspective as to, to who God is and who they are in, in Christ. Um, so I'm going to read through um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6 to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to say we're going to focus um, on verses. Uh, today we're just going to focus on verse 3. All right, so Paul, an apostle to Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good measure of his will, and to praise and glory of his grace, for which he favored us in the Beloved. Now, Paul opens up this letter very much like Paul, right? So he lets people know that he's an apostle, that he was appointed by Jesus Christ, um, and that uh, his, his apostleship was due to God's will. And so we all know the story of Paul and how he got converted. Pretty dramatic event uh, for, for Paul. And in referencing the saints, we know that he's talking to believers. So this message is sent to believers in Ephesus. Um, and he wishes them grace and peace from the source of grace and peace, Jesus Christ, uh, which is something that when all those turmoils happen in life, we know we can rest upon, right? So, verse 3, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that is where our whole message is going to come from today. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, great, we're getting out early. There's no way he can fill 30 minutes. Um, but no, it's a pretty deep message. There's a whole lot in that sentence right there. Um, 
So what does it mean to bless, right? I mean, we hear that, you know, like always with a kick when someone sneezes, God bless you. What does that mean? Why do you say that? You know, and it's, it's interesting that the history of that came from people believe that when you sneeze, you expose yourself to evil. And so by blessing someone when they sneeze, it sort of threw this little force field around them to keep evil away while they were busy sneezing. Um, and if you own cats, you've probably just been blessed like crazy. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the word, though, in the dictionary means, the first definition means to glorify, right? And the second meaning means to confer prosperity or happiness, right? So when I say that my wife is a blessing to me, that's what I mean, that second part, right? She brings me happiness. She brings me joy. That's how my wife blesses me, right? Um, And when I say that God blesses me, the same thing. God brings me blessing. But what does it mean for us to bless God, right? So it means not only that, but it also means to glorify him to recognize him for who he is. Um, And so we're going to talk about that today. So we're going to break this verse down into two pieces. Um, The first part is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the second half of that is going to be, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we're going to work on this first one here. Um, And so the first point I want to make out of this is that we are to bless God. Now, that sounds like a pretty tall task. You know, we are to bless God. Um, so we are supposed to bless the God who has blessed us. So it's thinking that, what do I get God? You know, have you ever had that where you have to buy a, you know, a, a gift or something for somebody, and you're like, what could I possibly give this person? You know, Don and I joke, if we want something, we get it. There's no, you know, so there really is nothing buying for somebody, because if I want it, I already have it. Um, so the, um, so how do we, how do we give something to God, right? So he has given us every good and perfect gift, right? Everything we have is from him. How do we bless him? So is blessing the same thing as praising? I don't think so, Right? Psalm 145.10 says, All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. So by all your works, he's talking about everything that God ever made, the entire creation. I don't know if you've seen the pictures coming in from this new satellite or this new uh, telescope that can just see way, way, way out there. You know, and God's probably thinking, Yeah, you like that? I made that. I made that. That's, you like that? You know, I was going back to the hospital, too, and it was, it's frustrating. I was going back and forth to the hospital. I'm trying to get this message done. And I'm stopped at, at um, Tangerine there at first. And this swallowtail butterfly just kind of peacefully goes on by. And I'm thinking, I bet he's not worried about who's in the hospital. And the, uh, but I thought about it. I mean, they're beautiful. I, I think they've got those little things that come off the end, you know, and the way the colors and stuff like that. Yeah, that's God. That's praising God. Uh, we've been up to Estes where you're sitting in there and you're just looking at this monster mountains and snow. That's praising God. That's praising God, right? So obviously, blessing God is more than that because the rocks do it, right? And the other part that's really interesting about blessing God um, in this verse, again, the saints shall bless. So that means those of us who know him will bless him. Um, so it takes, it takes a will. It takes an intent. It takes an intelligence to bless God, Right? I think of an artist, right? The works of an artist 
praise the artist. It shows what the artist is capable of doing. But it doesn't do anything specifically for the artist. Now, when you go buy the picture and you pay the artist for it, you're blessing the artist because you are showing how much you appreciate the artist by the fact that you're willing to buy the painting. Right? So we think of that. So we think of God. Um, yes, we're supposed to praise him, but we're also supposed to bless him. Now, praising God, we're showing adoration, inward reverence, um, you know, the esteem for our creator, the fact that he made us the way he is. One of the neat things about anything medical, you're like, wow, how does this work again? By the, uh, I know there's going to be all this medical stuff in here because that's what my weeks look like, but the, 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 the understanding how pain medicine works and which ones are brain medicines and which ones actually work, where the actually pain is coming from and all this stuff. And you think of how amazing our technology is today, and he made it all. He made every bit of it. Um, so to me, it's, it's, I mean, there's so much praise. On the other hand, blessing God is a desire to do good to God, even as he does good to us, right? So we need to think well of him. We need to wish him well. Uh, desire that others do the same thing, right? So if you think of that, what does it mean to, to wish God well? Um, so that's our desire, but realize we're really incapable of doing that, right? I mean, what can we give God that he doesn't already own, right? Everything is his. There's really nothing I can give him. Um, we read in First um, Chronicles 29, verses 13 and 14, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given to you. So we can do nothing to add to God's splendor. We can't add to his happiness. Um, because he is already inconceivably glorious. He is amazingly blessed by everything about him. Um, so what does it mean? What do we do? How do we bless him? So if we can't bless him directly, what do we do? Well, we can bless his cause, is how we bless him. When you think about this, when you are serving people for God, you are blessing God. You're blessing his purpose. When we desire to love him more than ourselves, when you tell God, I want to spend time with you, I want to hear your voice, you're blessing him. I know as a father... When a child comes to you and says, Daddy, I want to talk to you about something, that's a blessing, right? Especially today, <laughs> we really want to talk to our kids. There's a lot going on. You know, so when your child wants to talk with you, that's a blessing. You know, so for us to sit before God and say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what, I want, to know what you want me to do. Um, when we're faithful to make known the truth of the gospel, which glorifies God to those who don't know him, we are blessing him. It's like, hey, I want to tell you about this God I know. He's really, really cool. and You should know him. That blesses God. And then when we stand ready and willing to do his work, we bless God. Have you ever sat there and said, God, what is it you want me to do next? And we do that sort of trepidatiously because we're kind of like, hope it's not too hard. <laughs> Right? I know I've had stuff you want, you want me to do. What? You know? 
And it's like that, but we're willing to do that, right? We read in Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Right? So are we anxiously awaiting his next request? Are we... I was listening to a radio message uh, yesterday, and, and the, the um, person doing the message was like, are you ready to go when God calls? One of my biggest regrets in my life, we had a guy at work that was sick, and uh, we knew he wasn't going to last long, and there was this voice in my heart that said, you need to go see him. And I'm like, okay, I will. Um, it's 2 o'clock. I got this and this and this to do. I can get there probably 5.30. Well, he was dead when I got there. Yeah. No, God said, go now. It's 2 o'clock. There is nothing that you need to do that's more important than going and seeing that person. And I talked to his brother afterwards, and, and, uh, and it was, I knew the guy a lot. We, we, he was a, a night custodian where I worked, and I spent many nights there doing stuff. And so we got to know each other really, really well. And I, so I talked to his brother, and I said, man, I feel so sorry about that. You know, I, I, I got the word to go, and I would just get some stuff done. And, and he looked at me, and he goes, yeah, when God calls, you go. You know, and, and that really changed how I react to things nowadays. When God calls, you go. And that's how you bless God. You do what he says to do when he tells you to do it. Um, all right. So... How does that start? How does it start to get that right attitude about blessing God? Well, first, so my next point there is we must view God correctly. We need to properly understand who God is. Um, So when God is viewed correctly, he becomes the object of our gratitude, not of our dread. Now, when I say that, you have to understand my background. I I grew up Catholic, and I'm not picking on the Catholics here. I'm just going to tell you what it was in my life. Um, I saw God as judge. Um, the, I, did, I served God out of fear. You know, we did things, you know, we did food drives, we did all that stuff because I did not want to have the consequences of not doing it, right? Everything was done out of fear. Um, and we tend to give the qualities of loving kindness to Jesus and justice and sternness to God. You know, when I grew up to me, God was this supernatural being who ran around and played this cosmic game of whack-a-mole. You know, go, he did that, he did that, whack, you know, and he was just looking for a chance to whack you. And, and that was my view. And when I was in church, I remember because there was God and then Christ was still on the cross. And, and he was on the cross and he had this sort of like, why have you forsaken me look? So I'm like, my attitude toward God was like, wow, you even left the guy on the cross. You know, and so I really had this negative attitude toward God. Um, and it took a while for me to, to turn that thought process around, to understand who God really was and to view God correctly. Um, and I hear that from people. They read through the Old Testament, and they're like, wow, man, he's a tough guy. Well, there's a lot to it. Yeah, he destroyed the Amorites, but they had 800 years to repent before he did. Um, so we have to 
see God in this true light. So God is love, right? We say that. But realize that that love dwells equally across the Trinity. Every piece of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, loves us completely. Love that we can't even comprehend. I mean, we think about love for our child, all that kind of stuff. This is much bigger than that, right? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, right? For God the Father so loved us that he gave his son to be sacrificed. So in every act of the Lord Jesus, he reveals the tenderness and grace of the Father to us. And the number of verses, I was going to be nice to Dennis, I didn't want to put every verse in there that that you could find, but you think of like John 14, 9, Jesus says, He he that has seen me has seen the Father. And 1 John 1, 3 says, See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And the list goes on and on and on and on about who God really is and the nature of God's love. Um, now, we have to make sure we do not fall into the mistake uh, of thinking that the idea of the atoning sacrifice of Christ was intended to make an, un, an angry God willing to be merciful to us. Right? Jesus did not die to create mercy in God's heart, but opened up a way to exercise the mercy that was already in God's heart. Right? It required Jesus to be able to show the mercy that was already in God's heart. God the Father freely delivered up his Son for all of us. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10 says, By this the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only Son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So again, we must view God correctly. So in order to view God correctly, we have to regard him as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We look at this verse and said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, the eternal Father, is also the God of Jesus Christ. I know. Right? Kind of makes your head spin when you try to understand how is... God the Father, the God of God the Son, right? Um, kind of makes it hard to wrap around. So we read of, of God the Father as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, but how much more would we think of it when you think of that he was the God of Jesus Christ, right? We see in John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Right? I mean, is that to think we were, we share the same God that Jesus had. And when he's dying on the cross, he says, and about the, uh, this is in Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sebakentai. I'm sure I butchered the Aramaic. Um, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we think of the, 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 the crucifixion, the perception of God, the Son, as man, 
dying on the cross and feeling the forsakenness by God. Um, you know, I believe that to me, the worst part of hell will be God will not be there. There will be an aloneness that is never been felt before for those in hell that don't have God. Um, so remember, Jesus always rendered obedience to the Father. He worshipped him and served him. One of the things that amazes me when you talk about the situation that went through the, the, during the time before the crucifixion is that Jesus went to the garden to pray to his Father, to have a relationship with his Father. And yet he's the Trinity. There are one mind in three persons. How's that work? Right? How's that work? Um, but it's amazing to me. And so John said, or Jesus said in John 14, 28, my Father is greater than I. God is blessing his people just as he blessed his son, right? And what father withholds blessings from his son? Therefore, he holds back nothing from us. We have all the blessings of Jesus available to us. It's God of Jesus Christ who's blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1.17 says, For the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Ideally, that means that we can know God the Father like Jesus knew God the Father. Wow. I mean, that's... <laughs> it's interesting, I... Um, Hospitals give you interesting opportunities to talk to people um, and uh, you know, to share with people. You know, there's people out there that just have no idea why we have faith in God. You know, why we can sit there and go, well, it'll be fine. What do you mean it'll be fine? Well, God's got this. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. God's got this. He's driving the bus. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it'll be okay. And people don't get that. How can we feel that way? Well, we know God. He blesses us. Right? All right. Um, so the tribes of Israel were blessed by God of Jacob and their father's sake. So we are blessed by the God of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the same measure uh, that he blessed his spotless son. That to me is just really amazing. Third, if we are to view God correctly, then we must regard him as the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's kind of an interesting picture, right? Because we think of God as this, this holy and glorified, but we think of father way more personal, right? The relationship we have with our father, whatever that was, is a much more relational picture than the idea of the relationship of God, right? And yet we read, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to have a more endearing view of God the Father if we want to understand him as the Father of Jesus Christ. Um, and again, there's this double relationship that's really hard to understand, right? Because we think of fathers uh, have to predate their sons, right? Because that's how we do it, right? We have to be certain age before we start having, well, ideally, a certain age before we start having children. But God the Father and God the Son coexisted eternally at the same point in time. Again, right? 
How does that work? I don't know. I'm sure if it's important, they'll send me the note. But the, uh, we just have to accept that it is. Um, and so God existed in three persons since before time, and yet God the Father is the God and Father to Jesus Christ. Um, and this duality also existed Jesus as man, right? So the father of Jesus, the man, was God. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. So the human son of God was born of a woman as all human flesh is born. He was born the same way we were. Dad was different, but born the same way. So God did not spare his son the frailties of birth. Um, You know, can you, to me, I've watched a number, as you know, I have a big family. We have four kids and ten grandkids and ten great-grandkids, so we got lots of babies I've seen. And and it amazes me, I think, that Jesus came like that. I don't know what he weighed, but, you know, he was a baby. And he went through all those same processes of growing up, you know. And that to me is just kind of amazing, you know. It wasn't like he just showed up as a full-grown man ready to rock. No, he went that whole process, right? He lived. And people don't, a lot of people don't understand, he was a Jew. He did everything Jewish people did for the first three years of his life. He went to temple. He did all the ceremonies. He knew exactly what it was to be Jewish, right? And people... I talked to somebody a few days ago about, well, did Jesus, you know, Jesus wasn't Jewish in the sense that he went to synagogue or whatever. I'm like, no, he was exactly that. He did everything it was to be a Jew. And he honored his father as a Jew the way that he had been commanded to through thousands of years, the ways that Jewish people learned to honor their father and to honor God, right? Now, obviously... Joseph was a surrogate dad for Jesus on earth, but the, um, Jesus did everything his father told him to do. All right. Finally, we have to recognize that Jesus Christ is our Jesus Christ. Again, like I said, this sentence has so much going on in it um, that Jesus Christ is our Jesus Christ. And Paul put that personal pronoun in there for a reason, right? So that we could understand that the God and Father of Jesus Christ is our God and Father, right? And that Jesus Christ is ours. And he's ours in a very, very special sense, right? It means that just as Jesus Christ can claim um, all of us, that have accepted him as Savior, we can claim Christ as fully ours. Right? So he can fully claim us and we can fully claim him. Colossians 2, verses 9 to 11 says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over every ruler and authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
So Jesus says, all things that the Father has are mine. And since it's our Christ, then all the things the Father has are ours as well. So everything that the Spirit has, that the Son has, we have. We may rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, because that's what we have in God. Christ God is our God, Christ Father is our Father, and we are members of his family. All of us are heirs of God. Remember Dan's message, right? We are all heirs of God. So again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should bless God, and we can only do that if we view him correctly. And the true view of the Father is that he is the Father, he is our Father and our God, as he is the Savior's Father and the Savior's God. And we need to delight in that and bless his name. Now, the third point I want to make is that we need to appreciate God for all that he has done for us. Um, So let's look at the second half of the verse. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So first we have to realize that the blessings exist now. You don't have to die and go to heaven to get the blessings. The blessings are here now. Right? You notice that Paul didn't write all the blessings we hope to get soon. Right? No, no. He said we have these blessings already. The, the Father smiles us on us now. I kind of get excited. He's like, going, yeah, you see, that's, that's my son. You know, have you do that, those that had kids in sports, you know, your kid makes a goal, huh? It's my kid. See that? Just scored a goal. That's my kid. And I think God's up there going, man, that is so cool. That's my kid. That's my kid down there. Um, yeah, he smiles on us. It's kind of a neat feeling, right? All right. So we should have an intense delight in the awareness of the spiritual blessings that we have in God. Right? I like that word, this intense delight. This idea that whatever the world throws at us, we have God the Father who has blessed us and is watching us and loves us. And it really allows you to put the world at at the level that it really belongs to be at. You know? It seems like it's a long time, but it's that long compared to eternity. Um, So the blessings of God make us rich and safe and happy. Um, and we don't have to go about seeking the blessings of God. They already exist, right? It's not like we have to go hunt them down and grab one. Just as the Lord blessed Abraham with the lands of Canaan, while Abraham had never stepped foot in the land and died with little more than a cave for burial, we have been granted the heavenly blessings while we are still on earth. And the blessings are many. And I certainly wasn't going to list them all, or we'd be here for dinner. Um, Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 9 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoing, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him. Right? So that's just the beginning of the blessings, right? We have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of our wrongdoing, richness of his grace that he lavished on us. They let that word lavished on us, like way too much, you know, just lavished. 
Um, all of his wisdom and insight is made known to us in the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. I just and, and there's so many more verses like that. Um, you know, there's there's um, you should if you don't already have it, you should have. I have a little bitty Psalms. It's it's just the book of the Psalms, and it's nice because it's small. It fits anywhere, you know. And when you really think life sucks, go read the Psalms. I mean. David, I mean, David, I mean, he went through some really strange times, you know, and yet he's like, my father is there. I'm going through all of this, and yet I know he's there. You know, the Psalms are so uplifting. Um, All right, second, we need to have a right understanding of these blessings. So as a believer, we're grateful for temporal blessings. I mean, we as a country have been incredibly blessed, right? We have, most of us have place to stay, we have a vehicle, we've eaten today. I mean, we have all these blessings, that these temporal blessings that we've gotten. Um, but we have to be really grateful for is our spiritual blessings, right? It's better to have a new heart than a new coat. Obviously, temporal blessings don't last. You know, we always joke about that. You never see a trailer behind a hearse. Uh, and I was watching this show about Egyptians, and uh, they're, they're going through all these tombs that haven't been found yet, and all this stuff that was put in these tombs to be with this person in the afterlife. You know, they put in food and riches and all this stuff in the afterlife, like you could take it. So, of course, here it is now, 3,000 years later, they open up the tomb, and all the stuff's still there. You know, so I guess he didn't need it. The, uh, you know, yeah, temporal blessings are great, but they're they're... They're not, they're not, uh, they don't last. And while it might be grand to be the heir of Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, um, we are much more blessed because we're the heirs of an eternal God. Right? The creator of heaven and earth is our father, and we are heirs of his riches. It's pretty cool. Um... Gold and silver lose their shine. Uh, I remember I was watching this uh, show, and, and the guys had created this time machine, and they packed all this gold up, and they traveled into the future with all this gold in this time machine to get there, only to find out that they'd figured out a way to make gold synthetically, and it was worthless. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the gifts we have from God are eternally valuable and, and lasting compared to the temporal ones. You know, we think of a new heart, a tender conscience, a submissive will, faith, hope, patience. We have all these in God. Um, Second Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through the outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, God's blessing is eternal. God is omnipotent, so he can fulfill his word. And he's omniscient, so he can carry it out no matter where you are. And he's immutable, which means he doesn't change. He's not going to promise you something and then not give it. 
and his eternal blessings stand forever. The blessings of God are a true and real blessing. You may be in poverty here, but you are already eternally rich. And you may be in sorrow here. You may have sadness. But you will be eternally comforted. You know, I understand when you get to heaven, there'll be no sadness. Exactly what does that mean? I don't know. Because there'll be people we know that aren't there. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. But I know there'll be no sadness there. Um, there'll also be no hospitals. You know? <laughs> there'll be no hospitals in heaven. You may be in shame here, but you'll be eternally honored and glorified in heaven. And though someday your body will die here, you will live there eternally. So it's important to understand that these blessings are ours personally. If there's one thing I want you to understand when you leave today, that I am talking to you as an individual, that you are blessed by God. Right? All of us, but we're all as individuals, and we all are blessed individually. He loved each one of us and gave himself up for every one of us. You know, the, um, remember we used to do this thing a long time ago at church camp where everybody would get a nail, uh, one of those concrete nails, the kind of square-looking ones, and we had a cross, and you would go drive your nail in to that cross to remind people that he died for your sins personally. If you were the only person on earth that needed it, he'd still done it, right? It's a personal thing. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 16 says, For this reason I bend my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in the inner self. The indwelling Spirit will, drink, will strengthen you with an awareness of the blessings of God that you already have. You know, again, when we think about that, seek God and his blessings in you. Right? Make yourself aware of the blessings you have. Right? Those blessings are there. Um, all right. Finally, the blessings are not limited. Do you notice the word that Paul used to describe which spiritual blessings he gave you? All spiritual blessings. <laughs> All. Um, it's not by chance. Um, when you read the Bible and you see a great blessing offered, take it, it's already yours. He gave us all spiritual blessings. When you're in your father's house, you can't steal anything because it's already yours. Think about that. You can't steal from God because it's already yours. The blessings are all yours already. He has given his entire estate of spiritual blessings to you already as an heir of God. Ephesians 3, verses 17 and 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 